in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy Hart, and with me, as always, is your co-host, Art Stone. Welcome, bug fuckers. Art's in vogue. I'm in vogue. He's in vogue. Art, you're looking good. Thank you. I just got out of the tanning salon. I am Fully nude, fully tanned. I'm wearing those eye goggles over my crotch. Only one of them. I only need one to cover it up. Yeah. And I got them over my eyeballs as well. Yeah. I think I look great. Yeah. Art's got one of one half of those goggles that can hold his entire junk mm-hmm. in it like a little bowl. Yeah. Uh, it's displayed sort of like a fruit dish mm-hmm. on his chair right now. I got to look good through the winter, Andy. I want people to be like, where have you been? And I've been like, Aruba. And they'll be like, Really? I'd be like, nope. Art's going to say... A tanning salon. But it's called Aruba. Aruba Tanning. Check it out on North Avenue in Chicago. 2211 West North Avenue. <laughs> Tell them Art sent you. Tell them Art sent you and you'll get a free bronzer. Free discount. That's Aruba Tanning. 2211 West North Avenue, Chicago, Illinois. Andy, you're not looking as good. No, I'm you not look looking disgusting. as good. Yeah, I look really disgusting. And honestly, I I'd feel... I'd say, you know what? You ever see those images online, Andy, that uh, they're kind of like, you're like, ugh. Oof, these are really unsettling images. I shouldn't even be looking at these kinds of images. Yeah, I think usually those are called cursed images. Yeah, art. you remind uh, me of one of those. Yeah, and it's probably because of this today's topic. Really? I've been really in, in, nah, I don't think that's it. I've been really getting into this week's topic, and I, I I'll be know. honest with you, I don't feel so good, and my brain doesn't work so well. Uh, I think that I might be under the curse of an ancient Asian conqueror. Whoa. <clears throat> um. Jeez. Wow. Uh, wow. Uh, that's a that's a heavy fucking thing to drop. It is a heavy fucking thing to drop. But you know what make me feel better? What's that? Sharing this information with you and all the beef fuckers out there because <laughs> the beef fuckers. Because honestly, I would feel so much better <laughs> if I just get this out of my chest. So let's do this as a topic today. Let's talk about this curse. Oh my god. The curse of Tamerlane. Tamerlane's curse? Tamerlane's curse. And you know what's even more cursed? What's that? That this came to us from a bunk bunker. Oh my god, someone's trying to curse us? Someone's trying to curse us. And honestly. It's the I've been cursed out, but cursed clubhouse leader in episode topic suggestions, what? Erica Elizabeth. Wow, Erica Elizabeth, thank you. Setting a record. Will anyone ever surpass Erica nope. Elizabeth in quantity of episode topic suggestions? No. 
No. Uh-uh. Won't happen. Fucking try us. I think second place probably is the princess of this show, Natalie O'Hamilton. Yeah, Natalie's got a lot. Got a lot. A lot of topics. Yeah. Um, and I don't know after that. It's a lot lot closer together after those two. Sure. A lot of bunches. Mm-hmm. Erica, though, leader of the pack. Thank you, Erica. Uh, Erica, we really appreciate you sitting in this topic because um, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a real historical head scratcher. It's a history mystery. It's a history mystery. Wow. And Art, I think that you're going to be initially going, mm, there's nothing to this. And you're going to be annoyed by this topic. As I frequently do. And you're going to hate it. And then you're going to make, you're going to have a turnaround and you're going to go, okay, maybe, maybe there's something to this. So if you're like art and you're ready to shit all over this topic, but then be redeemed in the end, (laughs) you can look at your, the notes for this show and you'll see a timestamp in there and it's going to tell you where you can zip ahead to. If you want to put the fast forward on time and get through history. But if you don't want to do that, great. Stick around. Because Art and I first, we got to tell you how we got captured and ended up here in the bunker today. I'll tell you what, Andy, uh, there's some days where I feel like Mr. Bunker capturing me every week feels like a curse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it does feel a little bit like we're cursed. But we're having fun. We're having a good time. Uh, And once again, you know, the thing is, though, when you do get involved with a podcast, Andy, you get involved with it, you get into it, even if it is forced like it is with ours, Mm -hmm. you want to see it be successful at the very least, right? Call it Stockholm Syndrome. Call it what you want. You know how bad it would feel if we were doing this podcast, being captured every week, being forced to do this podcast, and only like six people were listening? Right. And it wasn't the most popular podcast of all time. Right. Breaking, shattering every record for podcasts ever. Right. I mean- That would feel awful. It would feel awful if we did this for anything less than the most- popular podcast of all time can you imagine if we spent upwards of maybe almost close to 10 grand on a thing and then we've never made a single cent off of it don't yeah. you think we'd feel bad about ourselves yeah can you imagine if we had done that and can you imagine if uh you know we'd been doing this for like multiple years and we sort of have advanced really slowly <laughs> in terms of uh how popular it is but then you know it's just kind of stalled at <laughs> at some point Luckily, none of that happened, though. I mean, we yeah, got... Yeah, luckily, this is just a rocket ship to the moon. It's the biggest podcast of all time. People are talking about it. And and that's one of the things you do when you are a big podcast. You can afford to buy uh, billboards with, like... Nah, I, w- I almost said life-size. <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> life-size. Yeah. Um, no, with, like, 20-foot-tall, full-body scan images of ourselves. Right. So... Advertising the show. Yeah. We decided to get a couple of billboards, uh, one big billboard here in Chicago. Billboard advertising, still a huge market, not just for strip clubs and lawyers. No, no. Anybody can use a billboard, and honestly, I think it's underrated as a form of advertising. So. We did the only thing that we could, which is get some sort of laser scanning device to perfectly map every contour of our bodies. We and all the poses we did were so cool. I did a Heisman. I was like, eh. yeah. I was like, eh. Oh. I did a uh, Saturday Night Fever. Right. We uh, did. We did one that was really fun. That was the Copper Tone Girl, where you were the dog and I was the Copper Tone Girl, and I was right. wearing a bikini, and you were biting Art's underwear, you were pull- pulling down my bathing suit with your mouth, revealing my non-tanned ass. Right. Yeah, that and was part be- of me. I won't tan. Yeah, yeah. Art always lays on his front when he's tanning. 
<laughs> uh, well, yeah, I would. Or on his back. I right. Mean, on my back. But um, we did that. That was a really funny one. Yeah. We did an Alien vs. Predator one. That one kind of mm-hmm. didn't make a lot of sense. People were like, well, I don't. What are the costumes? We're like, no, it's Alien vs. Predator. And they're like, is that like an iconic pose? And I was like, it it makes it. We didn't end up using that one. That's fine. Yeah. No, but we we had a lot of great ideas. Uh, we did yeah. red Eminem. Yellow M&M. Mm-hmm. Um, we did. We didn't have costumes or anything. It was just like. Just I wore a yellow shirt and you wore a red shirt. Yeah. And, and just sort of naturally looked that way. We were like, oh, ketchup and mustard. And we were like, no. Red M&M, yellow M&M. We said, no. Dipshit. Fucking asshead. <laughs> yeah, the guy who was putting up the billboard, he was like, right. oh, these are. We were there with him when he was putting this thing up. And he's like, oh, I get it. You're doing like a ketchup and mustard thing. And we were like, no, dip, no asshead. You fucking dipshot. This guy was a real fucking idiot. I mean, he was like, he smelled. He, I mean, big burly arms because he like climbs these fucking billboards all day. And he's like yeah. hoisting these things up. Yeah. He was very strong, but he was very stupid. Real, real, real yeah, dumb real ass. Real dumb ass. Real fucking asshead. <laughs> stupid piece of shit. And. You know, stinky motherfucker, greasy as fuck. Stinky motherfucker. Jesus Christ. I mean, this guy smelled like shit. He smelled like an ashtray that had been forgotten about for 40 years and never cleaned. Like, this guy fucking reeked. And he was so fucking greasy and gross. Yeah, he was awful. He was pretty strong. I'll give him that. I'll give him that. Real dumb fucker. What? Dumb piece of shit. Real fucking idiot. I mean, just stupid as shit. Like, don't even get red M&M, yellow M&M, oh, ketchup and mustard. It's like, what the fuck are you even talking about, yeah. you freaking idiot? I know we're laying on a hot dog, but what the fuck? Why would that be ketchup and mustard? We did a college dorm room series where like, we painted our backs, all those different Pink Floyd things, and we're bare asses, and you can <laughs> see our bare asses and stuff on a pool side. Right. That was a really cool one. We did a Calvin Klein one where only our underwear waistbands are w- visible. <laughs> We did a Bob Marley one. Mm-hmm, Bob Marley. We did an Einstein with his tongue out one. That was really fun. That was nice. Um, we did a few where, um, you know, we were just kind of exploring the space a little bit, like, mm. and how we could um, set up our bodies. So we were, like, kind of making letters with our bodies. Mm-hmm. Like, we did a lowercase h. Mm-hmm. And we did, uh, you know, a lowercase r. And big old A, an O. <laughs> big old O. Oh, those were good. Um, those were great. But, you know, we ended up just going with ones where we were just smiling. Yeah. In the end, it turned out to be the most effective one. Yeah. Because people started <laughs> saying like, oh, yeah, you, you might as well just look like yourselves. Yeah, trying to market the podcast, right? So we went with just twenty foot versions of ourselves. It's kind of us, like smiling, but we're like shoulder to sh- like back to back, but shoulder to shoulder. We're like, cheating out, mm-hmm. and our arms are folded, and we look really like like we look so fun. Like we normally look really cool, but like we look really fun. In yeah, this photo. I mean, it's hard to underscore. You can't underscore enough how just cool we looked in this photo. Just how it, confident. Yeah. Like it really showed off our, right. you know, high test alpha yeah. male personality. High test alpha male personality. Yeah. No, it was really cool. Yeah. 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 For we're those very, of you who got to see it. Yeah. For the, cause yeah, unfortunately it was kind of a short lived billboard because yeah. I mean, not long after this dumb fucking idiot, this dumb piece of shit, real dumb motherfucker, grease guy, greasy grease guy. fucking piece of shit, idiot put this billboard up. These fucking billboards of us, they came to life. 
Yeah, that was fucked up, huh? I think there was like some big lightning storm and big old lightning storm. Big, big old, old lightning storm. Stupid dumbass lightning storm. <laughs> Dumb fuck. Stinky motherfucker lightning storm. Stupid idiot. Dumb fucking lightning storm. Dumb fucking mother nature. It electrocuted our billboard. It electrocuted it brought those things to life. They got brought to life by the power of electricity, just like in the movies. Just like in the movies. And just like in Benjamin Franklin's diaries. Do you guys ever read about that? How he brought that kite to life by shocking himself with electricity? Yeah. That's what I took away from it. He turned that key into, that key came alive. Yeah. He had to kill the key. Key to life. Yeah. He had to kill that key because that key was going around doing evil stuff. So after the key, yeah, afterwards that key, it fucking killed a horse in Philadelphia and ate it. The key ate the horse. The key ate the horse. He had to kill the key. It was eating livestock. Well, and back then, if you killed a horse, that was basically on par with killing a human. Right. That's like eating a car now. (laughs) You wouldn't eat a car, would you? Just like a Klondike question. What would I? (laughs) What would I do to eat a car? Uh, it's like you wouldn't download a car, would you? Stealing music from Napster. Oh, yeah, I'd download a car if it was free. Why wouldn't I? The fuck, are you talking about Napster? Dumbass, <laughs> dumb, dumb, stupid motherfucker. Greasy fucking media sharing service. Stupid Sean, whatever your name is. Does that even still exist, Napster? I have no idea. <laughs> Might as well be Crapster. Yeah, <laughs> got him. So anyway, these billboards come to life, right? Oh yeah, that holy was scary. shit! They fucking start. Smashing up Chicago. Yeah, they're terrorizing the city. Oh, my God. And, you know, as us, like, your billboard was eating a lot of things. Mm-hmm. My billboard was, like, judging everything and picking it up and being like, ugh, and then throwing it and being like, this isn't up to standard. Yeah, they really had a lot of our personalities. Yeah. Mine was mainly attacking, like, supermarkets and fast food restaurants. <laughs> Mine was complaining about how the streets aren't wide enough and people are zipping past my, zipping past traffic too much. Yeah, it Raided a couple of raw denim stores. Yep. I raided a bunch of raw denim stores. My billboard did. And, you know, we're sitting at home watching this chaos unfold and we're like, oh, fuck. We're probably going to get blamed for this. Yeah. This is not a good look for us. Yeah. Because it's us. It's our faces. It looks like we're doing it, even though it's a billboard of us. Right. People might might think, oh, Andy and Art somehow got themselves turned into large paper cutouts of themselves, 20 foot tall, terrorizing the city. No, 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 no. We were safe at home. Right. Normal human anything. boys. These were other entities separate from us that got brought to life separately. Yeah. That's, see, that's the confusion. That was a lot of the confusion. I mean, the media was calling for us to be like publicly executed. And publicly executed. Well, I mean, I guess it's fair to say that the calls from the media for us to be publicly executed were stepped up from usual. There's always some background murmuring that yeah. we should be publicly executed. Right. To just increase morale right. of the citizenry. but Increase morale. But honestly, they got even more vociferous with their Oh, they calls. got so vociferous. They were so vociferous. I said, ah, how much more vociferous? Can-? I turned to you. I oh said, remember I turned to you and I said, how much more vociferous can these guys get? I know. And then out of nowhere, 90s WWF wrestler Bociferous showed up. <laughs> <laughs> And he starts choke slamming people. Oh my right. god! It was terrifying. It was fucked up. It was a fucked up day. So anyway, we're sitting at home. We're like, "Oh shit, we're gonna get publicly executed." Here it comes, and boom! All of a sudden, a giant cardboard fist 
lifts the roof off of our like, shared like home. We were, we were dolls in a doll <laughs> in the duplex that we share. Yeah. <laughs> they rip the roof off of the, the thing like we're a dollhouse and throws it and then reaches in, grabs us. Your billboard grabbed you and my billboard grabbed me. Yeah. And then our billboards held hands with their other free hand and skipped. Yeah. Merrily. All the way. Merrily. To the, all the way to the bunker. I said, oh, my, and I turned to you, I screamed to you, I said, how vociferous can these two fucking things be? <laughs> Meanwhile, 90s WWF wrestler Bo Ciferous. Was he running behind us shouting, stop using my name and likeness? Well, thank God it was him and not his porn star counterpart, Bocephalus. Yeah, Bocephalus was really... <laughs> if that guy showed really up, bad. that would have been fucked up. Yeah. Because he would have been having sex with things. Yeah, he would... Luckily, it was just choke slams. Trust me, it could always be worse. Yeah, Bo Bocephalus might have done some choke slams. But it would have led <laughs> well, to other things. A different kind of choking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, they took us to the bunker. Yeah, so it's it turns out... In case you haven't figured out, the lightning was Mr. Bunker. There was no lightning storm that night, but they came alive. The lightning was Mr. Bunker. Right. <laughs> it was all the a trick. lightning was Mr. Bunker. It was all a trick organized by he Mr. Bunker. Master, he was an illusion. He's a master of illusions. He's a master of illusions. Illusionary you never know where he's going to show up. Yeah, he's a illusionary mastermind. So the lightning was Mr. Bunker. It's fucked up, dude. And it's pretty fucking fucked up that, that he did this to us. It's very not vociferous. It's not very so unvociferous. And, you know, how insulting to that dumb fucking idiot that puts up the billboards, yeah. that greasy piece of shit that puts up these billboards, that he did all that hard work, dumb fucker, and <laughs> Mr. Bunker's going to come and, like, bring it to life and ruin it? He ruined that whole billboard. We paid a lot of money for that billboard. Yeah, and that poor fucking idiot that, that he- Poor dumb ass motherfucker. Stupid piece of shit. He put that billboard up, <laughs> spent all day doing all that work, fucking idiot, and he just all ruined- Dumb piece of shit. <sighs> anyway. That's life. That's life in the bunker. But hey, it isn't all That's some more, That's when you buy a big billboard and then it comes to life. That's a more. <laughs> That's vociferous. <laughs> curse. Yeah, the curse. We were cursed. Our billboard was cursed, cursed from the start. Just like today's topic. Oh. Tamerlane's curse. Uh, Art, do you like history? Occasionally. Okay, cool. Then you're going to love this topic occasionally. Do you like mysteries? Oh, I love them. Oh, well, then you're not going to like this topic very much Aww. because it's a mystery of why you don't like history. But hey, you know what? Beefers, you're probably going to like this. So let's get into it. Let's start. Let's get to jump in and start hearing about Tamerlane's curse here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. Hey, I. Uh Wish it was Tamarind's curse, huh? That'd be a lot sweeter. Tamarind. It's a fruit or something. I don't know what it is. Sweet. Anyway. I think it's some sort of seed or something. Comes in a pod. Comes in a pod. A boom. Fuckers, the time has come. Today's topic requires the very specific services of a certain character that you've all been clamoring for. Oh my god. Every day, Art and I get emails, letters, voicemails, DMs, notes passed in class, telegrams, and more 
asking us where this beloved character went and when they'll be back. I'm happy to say that we located this mystery guest and brought them back to appear on today's episode. Let's just say we had to look in a few barns. Wink. Barn. Wink. Blimpers, please welcome back your favorite character of all time on NBCTP, the past pig. (laughs) (laughs) Something doesn't feel right here, Art. Yeah, something's definitely off. Is this the same character everyone's been begging for? The past pig? The past pig? I don't know, dude. I don't fuck. I don't fucking read emails. I don't read what the bunk bunkers say. Oh shit, though. Maybe this oh, is shit, the wrong, maybe this is the wrong pig. What? There's like 13 different pigs here in the bunker. We do it's like a- Thunderdome. <laughs> I mean, I do account for most of the methane, but the pigs do some too, okay? They do. The pigs do some. There's some. All right, now let me just go find the right pig, okay? Where is it? Senator Snorts? No, that's not right. Oops, all oinks. <laughs> oh. oh, that's a classic one, though. Pigus Dickus? No, that's not right either. Where the fuck is the right pig? Oh, right there. Oinkers, please welcome the History Hog. History Hog. Whoa, look at him go. Oh my God, he's fucking skipping. He's happy. He's, he hasn't been around in a little while. Yeah, welcome back to the show. Been around a little while. That's right. I didn't have the history hog slaughtered and spit roasted like so many blogs said. Oh, those fucking blogs. Bloggers, they can suck my dick. <laughs> those pictures were of a completely different hog. It wasn't the history hog. Yeah. I eat a lot of pigs. The point is this. Today's episode is a tale of a curse traveling through the ages to impact the modern world. Wow. Today we're talking about Tamerlane's curse. Whew. This topic is just absolutely fucking sopping wet with history hog juices. Oh it God. is drenched in history hog sweat, blood, and tears. Succulent. Succulent. It's juicy. It is delicious. It is moist. And we have none other than our oracle and all-time leader in episode suggestions to thank for this topic Erica Elizabeth. Thank you, Erica. Erica, thank you so much. So, to understand Tamerlane's curse, we first need to answer the question, who the fuck is Tamerlane? Who is Tamerlane? Do you know? Uh, No, but it sounds like Anne Berlin, the emo band from the early aughts. Well, that's right. Tamerlane was an emo band from Central Asia in the 14th century. Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, we're going to answer the question for you. Right? You're going to be you're going to come out of this much more informed. OK, uh, well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Well, just we'll give a quiz at the end. So first of all, Tamerlane's real name wasn't Tamerlane. It was Timur. But Timur was lame. And I don't mean uncool like me, but rather that he was shot by two arrows while trying oh, to steal a sheep and lost two fingers and his leg became disabled for the rest of his life. Well, what are you doing trying to steal sheep, brother? Well, We'll find out. Stealing man's sheep is going to shoot you with an arrow. Of course, some say Timur suffered these injuries while serving as a mercenary. Either way, these injuries earned Timur the moniker Timurlenk, or Timur the Lame, which was Latinized to Tamerlane. Hmm. 
The name Timur means iron in the Chagatai language, which is a now extinct Turkic language, which was Timur's native tongue. Oh. So Timur was born in Transoxiana, an area in Central Asia, roughly around the areas of modern day Eastern Uzbekistan, Western Tajikistan, parts of Southern Kazakhstan, Parts of Turkmenistan and southern Kyrgyzstan. Oh, my God. What a travel destination. Very, uh, you know, Central Asia. Yeah, Let's yeah, just yeah. say that. Those Stan countries. Right. In the many stands. So, Timur was born near the city of Kesh, which is modern Sharizabz in uh, Uzbekistan, which is not far from Samarkand, which is also in modern day Uzbekistan. Uh, part of what was then considered the Chagatai Khanate, uh, which was the area of the former Mongol Empire in, inherited by Chagatai Khan, Genghis Khan's second son, following the death of his conquering dad. You keeping up with all this? All right, get ready for some more names. I just want to say, too, close to the beginning here, there are a lot of like Asian, Central Asian place names, people names. So uh, I just want to apologize up front for the yeah. pronunciation. So I want to apologize to... Any Persians, uh-huh. any Iranians, yeah. any Turks, uh-huh. any um, any Asians, right. any Indians, uh-huh. any Pakistanis, yep. Uzbekis, sure. people from Georgia, both the state and the country, uh, Russians. I want to apologize to Turkmenistanians, Azerbaijanis. It's about time we apologize um, to Turkmenistan. Afghans, um, people who speak Urdu, people who speak Hindi, people who speak... Um, Farsi, people who speak Persian, people who speak uh, English, and most of all, I want to apologize to you bunkfunkers. Wow. For existing. So, Timur was a member of the Burlas tribe, a Mongolian tribe that had been Turkified in a lot of ways. Now, being Turkified is a lot like getting funkified, but it's more Turkish. Does that make sense? I think I say like it's like is it like being crunchitized? Uh, similar, <laughs> yeah, but more Turkish. Oh, okay, <laughs> crunchitized but Turkish. Oh, all right. So when he was younger, uh, Timur and a small group of others, uh, they would go around raiding travelers for their goods, like especially livestock. That's not nice. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is how he got shot with an arrow, right? It Stealing livestock. He used He's to a steal livestock, livestock like you until he got an arrow in the knee. Right. If somebody would shoot me with an arrow, I would probably stop. Right. So he was stealing livestock. Uh, Timur eventually got a reputation as a like military commander because oh. he was kind of leading these guys. And so he entered the service of Amir Kazakhan, who was effectively he, he at Frank that time. Frank Abagnaled it? What? He Frank Abagnaled it? What? He was so good at being bad that they were like, let's... Let's put him in and do good. But yeah. He'll be bad to do good. Yeah. He was, he was, I mean, yeah. He was so good at leading his band of thieves. Right. That they were like, eh, come lead these soldiers. Well, you got to remember, this is like high density trading area. So they were probably not harassing their own people. They were harassing traveling merchants and stuff like that. That doesn't make it okay, Andy. No, but does anybody care? Do you think the Chagatai Khan gives a shit about traveling merchants? He should. Well, maybe he doesn't. Well, I'm going to go have a word with him. Okay, you go talk to his mother. Yeah, I am going to go talk to Travel Icon's mother. <laughs> so, so Timur got... Be his new dad. What's oh. going to happen? Oh, man. Yeah. You're going to fuck Jack and Icon's mom. I am. 
<laughs> oh shit. Oh fuck. So Timur gets this reputation, right, as a military commander and starts serving the Amir Kazahagan, who was effectively at that time the ruler of Chagatai. So uh, under the auspices of Amir Kazagan, Timur invaded Khorasan, a region that was neighboring Transoxiana to the southwest. Okay. Keep this in mind. So Timur was in command of a thousand horsemen. That's a lot of horsemen. By which I mean guys on horses and not centaurs. Just to clear that okay, up. Okay, well that makes it less cool. So uh, this was Timur's second military expedition that he was leading and his success in this expedition led to him getting like other gigs as a military commander. So among these were the subjugation of Khwarezm, which was another neighboring area to Transoxiana uh, to the Northwest and the city of Urgench, uh, which is located in modern day Western Uzbekistan. So he's getting a reputation as being like, he can go and do these things for the emir. He's a he's a hired gun, right? He's a, he's basically a mercenary at this point. Yeah, like, but he's working sense. for the go- local government to like put down revolts and stuff. Hell so yeah. keep the peace, essentially. After the assassination in 1357 of Amir Kazagan, Timur uh, declared his fealty to the Khan of Kashgar, which is in modern day far west China. So this is in like. Uh, the like autonomous region, like at the very far western edges of China. Okay. Did you realize that China and Afghanistan share a border, dude? China's huge. You're talking to the wrong. Idiot. Did you realize that? That's huge. No, I had no clue. Great big country. So anyway, he's 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 he pledges his loyalty to the Khan of Kashgar, um, whose name was Taluk Tamur, similar name, uh, who was Khan of the Eastern Chagatai Khanate. Uh, and also a descendant of Genghis Khan himself. Dope. And so, so Taluk Tamur had invaded Transoxiana and taken over Samarkand in 1361. So he took over what? Samarkand, this which was city? the capital. Yeah. He took over a whole capital? He took over the capital of Transoxiana in 1361. Holy shit. This guy's fucking leveling up. He's a bit. Well, this is not Tamur. This is Taluk Tamur. Oh. So. Okay. Tamur is sent to negotiate. He goes to Samarkand to negotiate with Taluk Timur. Uh, but instead of negotiating, he joins up with him. They join forces. Damn. So he's a turncoat. Uh, and about this same time... I don't time, know how I feel about this guy. Well, hold on. You get a, lots of time to make a judgment here. Okay. So about this same time, Timur's father dies and Timur becomes chief of the Burles tribe. So he's kind of like getting a powerful... Now he's leveling up. He's getting some power now. He probably got like his dad's... Augmented weapons, a couple of power-ups, cool relic, probably a, a relic. Yeah, his dad had a rare set of armor. and Plus two to yeah. strength. Right. So, okay. Yeah, so he's leveling, leveling up. up. Yeah. So, Taluk Timur appoints his son, whose name is Ilyas Koja, as the governor of Transoxiana. And he appoints Timur as his minister to his son. So, not long after that, Timur runs off. And joins his brother-in-law, Amir Hussein, who is the grandson of Timur's old master, Amir Kazagan. Okay. Ilyas Koja defeated Timur in battle in 1364 and once again besieged Samarkand, an effort that failed the next year due to an epidemic 
in Ilyas Koja's ranks. Uh, Ilyas Koja eventually got killed in a revolt in 1368. So they were kind of free of him. And so after he gets beat at Samarkand, he can't capture Samarkand, uh, Timur and his brother-in-law, Amir Hussein, they set out to like reconquer Transoxiana yeah. for themselves, which they do finally get good control of it around 1366. Dude, how embarrassing is it for that Ilyasova guy? What's his name? Uh, Ilyas uh, Koja. Ilyas Koja that like, what, what was like almost like 800 years ago you failed in a battle and now two idiots are recounting that like that's the only thing we remember of like you. he lived a whole life and he all lived we a remember, whole life and all we remember is your biggest failure and now we're making fun of you it. lost because your your army got sick yeah 800 years later on a, a shitty podcast Isn't that yeah. hilarious dude yeah time is fucked up dude. dude fuck that guy humanity sucks so in about the year 1370 Tamur turned against his brother-in-law. Hussein. Oh my God, Tamur. I can't take these fucking twists and turns. But he did this because Hussein didn't listen to Tamur's orders um, to pursue and destroy forces led by Ilya Koja, not Ilyas Koja, who was already dead, but a different oh person. God. Uh, so Tamur besieged Hussein in the city of Balkh, which is in modern day Afghanistan, where Tamur gained Holy admirers God. in the city from the like merchant class, other tribesmen, the clergy, the Muslim cur- clergy that was there, wow, the wealthy nobles, wow. and also for like just regular blue collar workers in the city, wow, because he was very kind to them and he shared his belongings with them. That's that's pretty cool, and they liked him because this was a sharp contrast to his brother in law Hussein, who really made these people feel alienated because he imposed severe taxes on them. Uh, took their belongings, hoarded them, and then spent all the money from the taxes building like elaborate buildings in the city. I mean, it's a high test move, but not going to win you the people. No, it did not. So eventually, Tamur is successful and Hussein surrenders. Uh, Hussein eventually gets assassinated. uh, And that allows Tamur to uh, be formally proclaimed as the ruler of Transoxiana. Wow. In a ceremony at Bulk. So he really is leveling up. He's really leveling up now. Now, Art, get ready for the ultimate level up here. In a true power move, Timur married Hussein's wife. Oh, wow. He's a Chad now. The guy gets assassinated. He's evolved. Timur's like, I'm going to marry his wife. He went from beta pod to fucking buffer free. And uh, Hussein's wife was a descendant of Genghis Khan. So that gave... Everyone's a descendant of Genghis Khan. I know. Technically, we all are. He's like he's like Adam in a way. Yeah, Genghis Khan fucked and sucked his way across the whole fucking world, dude. Right, but these people had the receipts at this time. He's only been dead. <laughs> they had the he's receipts. only been dead for a little while. He had a CVS style fucking. Receipt. Now we're just guessing, but back then they had the receipts. He wasn't dead that long at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's a Chad move. So yeah, so he marries he marries Hussein's wife, whose name is Saray Mulk Kanum, and. This gives him some authority to take over rulership of the Chagatai tribe. So the reason that he needed this is because Mongol traditions in that sphere, Timur could not have been the title, could not have taken the title of Khan or been in charge of the Mongol empire because he's not descended from Genghis Khan. So what Timur does is he sets up uh, basically a puppet, Chagatai Khan, um, who is basically the ruler mm-hmm. of, In name of the Khanate, but you know, really, Tumur is the power behind the throne here. 
Wow. So he just basically turns the Chagatai Khans into uh, figureheads, and he's ruling wow. everything. This is a total 180 for this guy. So now I'm rooting for him. So since he can't take the title of Khan, and he can't be, you know, the Chagatai Khan himself, yeah. he takes the title of Amir, which in Arabic means commander or prince, and in Persian means immortal. Whoa. And in Pashto means leader. Holy shit. Good name. So uh, Timur was the Amir acting in the name of the Chagatai ruler of Transoxiana. So to like strengthen his position, Timur also claimed the title of Gurigen, uh, which is royal son-in-law in the Mongol. All right. Okay. Now he's really tacking it on. Because he married, you know, he married the descendant of <laughs> Genghis Khan. So he's royal son-in-law now. Okay, Daenerys. Yeah. So <laughs> brother-in-law of dragons. <laughs> Unlocker of shackles. <laughs> so, uh, Timur had some big dreams, though, Art. Like, he's done a lot already. He's right? not done. But he's still dreaming. He sees himself as the restorer of the Mongol Empire. Wow. So, um, after Genghis Khan died, there was some stability, but it kind of gets destabilized after a couple of generations. Yeah, I mean, how are you going to control up. that big of a fucking. Yeah, it's a huge kingdom. empire. But Timur sees himself as being like the person to restore this empire to its former glory. And very sane take. Yeah. And what do you need if you're going to restore an empire? That's right. Beefers. You got to get out there and take it. Yeah. It's not just going to come to you. No. That's why Timur spent the next 35 years at war. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so for the immediate 10 years following his assumption of power, Timur fought against the cons of what the Timurids called uh, Jeta or worthless people, Betas and Khwarazam in the Eastern Chagatai Khanate or what was also called Mogulistan, uh, which is a cool name, finally occupying the city of Kashgar, which we already talked about in 1380. So Timur also gave uh, support to another um, Khanate person named uh, Tokhtamish, who was the Mongol Khan of Crimea. Also a descendant of Genghis Khan and someone who had been a refugee at Timur's court. Um, and Timur gave him support against the Russians who were fighting against the Khan of the Golden Horde, who at the time was was a guy by the name of Mamai. Mamai. So, Mamai, Mamai. So in 1382, Tokhtamish invaded the Muscovite um Domain Those muskrat people, and he marched all the way to Moscow, and he burned Moscow to the ground. Moscow, Moscow, yeah. What is modern day Moscow? Yeah, Moscow is a very old city. Wow. So, uh, in thirteen eighty two, all the way there, and he just burns it. Tokhtamish marches all the way there and burns it down. And why is that? Uh, because the Russians were fighting with the Golden Horde, oh. which was the Mongol remnant that was in control of the area, a lot of the area that's now modern day, like Russia and Ukraine. So why, if Timur wants to be the great uniter of the new Mongol empire, why is he helping what is viewed as the remnants of the Mongol empire? Well, you're going to have to wait and find out. Oh, okay. This is a story art. Just trying to wrap my head around it. Yeah, okay. You're going to keep rapping. Okay. Okay. Um, so after this battle, after doing this um, burning of Moscow, Tokhtamish becomes the ruler of the Golden Horde. He becomes the Khan of the Golden Horde. Oh, okay. So, so they're just like, well, that was fucking badass. Here yeah, you go. Yeah, and so after this, he and Timur get in a fight over possession of the areas of Khwarazam, which, remember, is like a neighboring province to Transoxiana. 
and the area of Azerbaijan. Tokhtamish's forces invade Azerbaijan in 1385, and then they go to Transoxiana in 1388, and they beat Timur's generals in a couple of engagements. So in 1391... He didn't level up their skill trees enough. No, he did not. He should have leveled up those generals more. Putting, putting too much into the blue tree, you got to go into the fucking red and yellow. Should have gone into the yellow, gotten some magic to use. Yeah. Against the Golden Horde. Um. So in 1391, Timur chases Tokhtamish into the Russian steppes, okay. where Timur gets a victory, an initial victory, uh, even though Tokhtamish and some of his army escape. They get away. But they win the battle. Timur wins the battle. So Timur invades uh, Muscovy again, which is the area around Moscow, and goes straight for Moscow. But he stops on his way to Moscow because Tokhtamish starts renewing hostilities further south from Moscow. So... Timur turns off from his path to Moscow and goes south. Okay. Now, the Russian Orthodox clergy remembers this. This is like a day that they celebrate. Wow. Because they claim Timur actually left because they brought a special icon to Moscow. And all along its journey to Moscow, people prayed. They said the same prayer. And that's what turned him away. Aww. So, in 1395, Timur defeats Tokhtamish in the Battle of the Terek River, which is in the Caucasus. Uh, Tokhtamish... Never gets into power after this and pretty much ends the conflict with Timur for good. Uh, Timur also fucked up the Golden Horde by destroying their capital at Sarai, which doesn't exist anymore, uh, even though it did come back after Timur destroyed it and it stayed around for a little while. Uh, but he also destroyed the city of Astrakhan, which is in present day Russia. Uh, Timur stole away all the most skilled craftsmen and tradesmen from the Golden Horde. Smart. And sent them back to Samarkand. Smart. Uh, these actions weakened the Golden Horde, which led to its eventual disintegration. But it stopped being a power after that. Hmm. So in 1383, uh, so again, this is going back a little before Tokhtamish invades Azerbaijan and Transoxiana. Uh, Timur starts his conquest of Persia, even though he already controlled a lot of uh, Persian Khorasan, which is like the eastern part of uh, Persia. So he captures the city of Herat, the capital of the Kartid dynasty. And when Herat did not surrender, because this is what Timur wants, he wants to go to the city with force and then have it just surrender. But Herat did not surrender. Uh, so he raised the city and killed most of the citizens. See, you're not going to get a lot of resources when you raise. You got to occupy. Yeah, you want to loot and not... Loot. Well, you could do you that. Sack but then, it. Uh, but then, you know. You could they, sack it. You're going to you take public order it. penalties. But yeah, as we're going to see, Timur is no stranger to public order penalties. <laughs> so he kills most of the citizens and Herat is in ruins for a while until Shah Rukh, one of the future leaders of the empire established by Timur, reconstructs it around the year 1415. Okay. So it goes like 30 years of just being in rubble. And these are like, this is basically what is the Dark Ages in Europe, right? Right. This is like medieval. Yeah. Get ready, because this will come up again. Holy shit, I'm predicting the fucking future with this story. You're predicting the past, in a way. You're predicting the call past. Me, call me Brad Meltzer, because I'm decoding the past. Decoding the past <laughs> by predicting the future. Yeah, where did your hair go? <laughs> so, in 1385, Khorasan revolts. Uh, so, Timur destroys Isvizar a city that's not far from Herat, 
Uh, and all of the prisoners they took during this conquest, they cemented them into the walls alive. Oh! So by which I mean oh. they, they took their living bodies. Oh, God! <laughs> and built them into brick and mortar walls. Holy shit! The living prisoners. So they like build walls and they stick the people in there. Like, it's, like, it's like a Junji Ito fucking horror manga. What the fuck? It's pretty sick. That is fucked up. So that's in 1385. What an awful way to die. Yeah. Imagine that. Holy shit. What kind of fucked up sick code has to come up with that? I don't know. It's put gonna, them in the walls. We're going to see. Yeah. Dude, I can hear him screaming. This is hilarious. How dare they make me destroy their walls? Let's build them back up. Holy by, shit. With their bones. That's fucking brutal. That's metal as fuck, dude. It's very metal. So that was 1385. In 1386, Tamura attacked the kingdom of Sistan, which is where it is today, like roughly uh, the borders of Iran, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. So it's like this area where they all meet. It's like a four corners thing there. And uh, you're familiar with... Yeah, they got a cute little fucking thing down there. It's like four corners between these three Iran, Afghanistan, and it's really cute. A lot of families like to travel there. Yeah, (laughs) take pictures. So, um, Timur basically like ravages the Sistan Kingdom, and he completely destroys the capital of Zaranj. Um, so he stops. He holds off on this Persian campaign so he can go friggin' kick Toktamish's ass. Uh, While he's away, though, there are revolts throughout his Persian territory. When he returns, though, he finds that his generals had kept everything together and didn't lose any of his conquests. So when he comes back after beating Toktamish, he's, he's getting back to conquering Persia. So the next targets that he sets his sights on are the southern cities of Isfahan and Shiraz, uh, both of which are in modern-day Iran. So Isfahan surrendered right away in 1387. So Tamur treated them sweetly. However, after Isfahan revolted after the conquest because of taxes imposed by Timur and the way they revolted, they killed the tax collectors and they also killed some of Timur's soldiers who were in the city. He ordered the destruction of the city's population. Wow. So the death toll is estimated between 100 and 200,000 people. Holy fuck. And an eyewitness account from uh, the city at that time claimed that there were more than 28 towers built of about 1,500 skulls each. Like they stacked the skulls into these towers. This is the most metal topic we've ever fucking covered. That's <laughs> fucked up. Very fucked up. So now in case in case you haven't noticed, our beefers, using terror to discourage resistance was a key part of Timur's strategy. He was careful with who he killed, though, letting the artistic or educated people live, which will come up. A little bit later again. Um, so I guess if we lived in Persia during this time, we'd be dead for sure. Yeah. Possibly. Time. Po- probably the first to be put to the sword, I would guess. Yeah. Um, so anyway, after dealing with Isfahan, Tamir, Tamir turns his um, attention to Persian Kurdistan, which is in the west of where he was. In 1393, Shiraz was captured after surrendering. And shortly after, the area of the kingdom of Georgia... So you, this is kind of like the same general area where Georgia is now. Uh, the He devastates the kingdom of Georgia, like completely just destroys it so that the Golden Horde couldn't use it to like threaten his holdings in northern Iran. Wow. So in that same year, um, this is an eventful year, 1393, um, Timur 
surprises Baghdad in August by marching there in eight days from Shiraz. So they, they heard about this conquest in Baghdad, but they're taken totally by surprise. He shows up and conquers the city. So then in 1398, Timur invaded India. Oh my God, Timur! Uh, some of which is in actually in modern day Pakistan. Oh boy. <laughs> um, but anyway. Yikes. But, on, but he did this uh, on the pretext that the Muslim sultans of Delhi, which I guess today is now technically Old Delhi. Um, yeah. Uh, he thought they were showing excessive tolerance to the Hindus amongst the population. Excessive tolerance? Those monsters. Oh, my God. No wonder he had to attack. How could you stomach excessive tolerance? <laughs> Hindus? Oh, my God. How could you be tolerant of Hindus? Oh, oh, too much tolerance. I mean, I get a little bit of tolerance, but let's slow down here, huh? Because he had to put them into walls and yeah. stack their skulls. <laughs> so, uh, Timur and his forces crossed the Indus River somewhere around the end of September 1398, uh, and they sack the city of Tulamba and kill off its population in the process. Timur, you really, I mean, good Lord, the arc. I don't like, this is a dark arc for this, this guy. very dark arc. He's a dark arc. So, Timur's invasion goes mostly well at first, um, because a lot of the Indian nobility that's in control of the cities he's passing through, they surrender without fighting him. Um, but he did get some resistance from a city called Botner, uh, which is actually in modern day India, uh, which was under the time uh, uh, at the time it was under the command of the Rajput king, whose name was Dulachand. So Dulachand was thinking about surrendering, but then he got locked out of the city walls by his brother. <laughs> he initially resisted. Okay, you sure his name is Dula Chand and not Dula Andy? <laughs> hey, you guys locked me out. Oh, you, did you have your key? Oh. No, I, I don't. I don't have the key. I just. Oh well, I think I saw it over there. Okay, come on, guys. So Dula Chand initially, he's like, "We're gonna resist Timur. Like, we're not gonna put up with this shit." He got locked out of the city. Then his brother, his brother, locks him out of the city. That's so funny. So Timur kills him. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, then uh, Timur's army killed the entire army at Botner, looted the city, and burned it to the ground. Kind so, of his MO at this point. So nobody really uh, made out like, they didn't really make out well on that one. So um, the army of the Delhi Sultan, Mahmoud Toluk, met Timur's army uh, at Panipat on December 17, 1398. So the Sultan comes prepared for battle, right? He's got armored war elements with poisons on their tusks. Poisons on the tusks? Yeah, he, they poison up the tusks. Armored war elephants with Holy poisoned shit. tusks. Is that not metal too? That's fucking metal dope. Metal yeah. So, Timur knew that his army was fucking afraid of these elephants, understandably. So, get this. Timur orders that his camels get loaded with as much wood and hay as they can carry. When the war elephants start their charge... Timur sets the hay on fire and they prod the camels with iron sticks, which causes them to charge at the elephants. And they're like, the camels are screaming in pain because they're on fire. Timur understood that elephants would get scared. And so they see these camels that are flaming, yeah. screaming, right. running right at them. And so the elephants 
panic. Right. They turn around, stampede back to the Indian lines. Two more scores, an easy win. Wow. All it cost him was burning camels alive. Jesus Christ. So Timur uh, advances on Delhi. Good Lord. And uh, before starting his attack on the city, he executes 100,000 captives they took in the battles leading up to it. Oh, good God. Of course, he prevails uh, in his assault on Delhi and sacks it and destroys it. Um, And this destruction, it took more than a century for Delhi to finally like come back to life from this destruction. Wow. So even though this was a big victory, like historically for Timur, like this was a like notable conquest, um, there were many uprisings in the Delhi area after the conquest, which is kind of confusing. I wonder why. Hard to believe that people weren't happy with Timur as their leader now. <laughs> why they didn't just accept him <laughs> and be quiet. Um, but Timur's re- retaliation and his, against and his... And his absolutely zero, zero tolerance policy. Negative eight tolerance policy. (laughs) Zero is like, you're already over the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't do anything, you fucking idiot. (laughs) I'm going to murder you. (laughs) So the retaliation against these revolts was, I mean, pretty devastating, as you can imagine. So after three days of citizens uprising within Delhi um, and Timur's forces, like, putting down the revolts, um, it was people that were there at the time said the city reeked with the smell of decomposing bodies. Good Jesus, fuck. Uh, which the dead bodies, um, their heads were cut off and they were like being built into these structures. Uh, and the bodies were left for food by the birds. For the birds, I should say. So they just, they cut the heads off and they build them into these towers and then they just leave the bodies to rot in the streets. I mean, there's no question. This is the most metal topic of all time. <laughs> this is a metal album just waiting to be written. Yeah. This is brutal on a scale we've never heard of or seen before. Uh, so by April 1399, Timur's back in Samarkand. And with him, he brought the spoils of his conquest in India. And it's been said by some that 90 elephants captured in India were used to carry stones from quarries to arrest, erect a mosque at Samarkand. So he put the elephants to work when they got back. 90 elephants. So then later in the year 1399, Timur headed out again to punish the uh, Mamluk Sultan of Egypt and the Ottoman Sultan, uh, Bayezid I, after Bayezid uh, started annexing territories of areas in Anatolia over which Timur claimed sovereignty. Not very basid. Yeah, no, it was not very basid. So... Um, the, the basic backstory on this is that these were people that Timur was like pledged to protect and the Sultan starts annexing them. So he's like, well, fuck you. Here I come. So in 1400, Timur invaded Armenia and Georgia of the surviving population, more than 60,000 local people were, were captured into slavery. And a lot of places were just like completely depopulated. Like they killed everybody. Men, women, children, everybody. So after uh, getting control over Azerbaijan, um, Timur went to Syria. Um, He sacked Aleppo. He defeated the Mamluk army there and occupied Damascus in 1401. Um, He killed many people in Damascus, except for artisans who got sent back to Samarkand. 
1401, Baghdad also got it's got taken again, um, and 20,000 people were killed. Uh, Tamur ordered that every soldier should return with at least two severed human heads to show him. Good God. And when they ran out of men to kill, many of the people in Tamur's army killed prisoners captured earlier in the campaign. And when they ran out of prisoners to kill, they started beheading their own wives just so they could show him two human heads. What? Uh, additionally, they also destroyed all of Baghdad's monuments that were standing at that time. This guy fucking looks like Keemstar. <laughs> <laughs> with that beard so uh timur spent the winter in georgia but then invaded anatolia and destroyed bayezid's army near ankara in july of 1402 bayezid was captured in battle and then died in timur's captivity so in december of 1402 so there's just later that year after that happened timur besieged and took the city of smyrna from the knights of Rhodes. uh and the Knights of Rhodes were Knights Hospitallers who had conquered the island of Rhodes and they lived there. So a mass beheading was carried out in Smyrna by Timur's soldiers. He so, hates heads. He hates heads. He does not like bodies with heads. Doesn't like getting heads. Likes headless bodies, but not heads. So uh, he got. So Timur gets the um, surrenders of the Sultan of Egypt and from John the Seventh, who was at the time the co-emperor of the Byzantine Empire with Manuel the Second. Um, Timur goes back to Samarkand in 1404, and in December 1404, Timur started to head to China for more conquest, but he got sick and died in February of 1405. Wow. His body was embalmed. It was laid in an ebony coffin and sent to Samarkand, where it was buried in the very nicely constructed tomb called Guri Amir. So after his death, Timur didn't do a lot for a while. He didn't accomplish much after he died. Uh, Timur's descendants carried on in the form of the Timurid Empire, which waned uh, through the end of the 1400s, um, or toward the end of the 1400s, I should say. Timur's legacy lived on, though, as one of his descendants invaded India in the 16th century, much like Timur had done, and established the Mughal Empire, which became quite large and powerful. So Timur's legacy is a controversial one, needless to say. On the one hand, he's revered in Central Asia, especially in Uzbekistan, for ushering in what's come to be known as the Timurid Renaissance, a European Renaissance-style revival of culture and science that left a lasting impact in the Muslim world and the wider world in general. A lot of contributions come out of the Timurid Renaissance. Wow. That said, Timur also did kill a lot of people and devastated many cities. That made a lot of people hate him in places like India and Persia and Iraq. Interestingly, though, Timur was popular in parts of Europe because he fought with the Ottomans, who were very much hated by the Europeans. <laughs> but there were also some Europeans who felt like he was a big threat to Europe, not unlike Attila the Hun had been or yeah. Genghis Khan had been. But all of those things aren't what I want to talk about. I want to talk about this curse. Tell me about this curse. What's up with that? Well, get this art. Timur's body was exhumed from his tomb on the 19th of June, 1941, and his remains were examined by the Soviet anthropologists Mikhail Garasimov, Lev O'Shannon, and an anthropologist named Zizenkova. By this point, Samarkand was part of the USSR. The purpose of this exhumation was to examine the remains to prove it was actually Timur who was in this tomb. So Garasimov 
reconstructed the likeness of Tamur from his skull and found some interesting things, like that Tamur's facial characteristics displayed a typical East Asian set of features. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gerasimov was sort of famous at the time for doing facial reconstruction from a skull, which was a relatively new thing at that point in history. So the anthropological team measured Tumor's height at 5 feet 8 inches, which is pretty tall for the time. Uh, the examinations confirmed that Tumor was lame and had a withered right arm due to the injuries he suffered. His right thigh bone had uh, knotted together with his kneecap, and the configuration of his knee joint suggested that he had kept his leg bent at all times and had a pronounced limp. So uh, it also appears that Timur would have been broad-chested and his hair and his beard were red. Wow. Didn't see that coming, did you? No. I'm surprised by that, He's too. He's a fire crotch. He's a fire crotch. Yeah. They actually said that his pubes were bright red. <laughs> so, I mean, this is all really cool, and I'm definitely getting horny based on this description, but that's more blessed than cursed. Yeah, it is. So here's some cursed stuff. Oh, fuck. It's been alleged that the team discovered an inscription on Timur's tomb when they got there. And the, the inscription said, quote, when I rise from the dead, the world shall tremble. Whoa. Good lyric for your metal album. Yeah. So it's also been said by some that when Gerasimov actually exhumed the body, they found another inscription inside the casket that read, quote, Whomsoever opens my tomb shall unleash an invader more terrible than I. And they went and opened it. So before opening the tomb, local residents and Muslim clergy tried to stop the excavations, but the expedition continued without heed. Some of the people in Samarkand even told the excavation team that the curse would take three days to set in and that after three days, the trouble would start. So... Maybe so far this is not really all that scary, but consider this. The exhumation happened in 1941, which was during World War II. Wow. So only three days after Timur's body was taken from its tomb on June 22, 1941, Nazi Germany launched Operation Barbarossa, a plan to conquer the Western Soviet Union and replace the population with Germans. Whoa. Now, the Nazis were pretty excited about this plan because they loved genocide, but they also thought that they had the right strategy to cause a quick collapse of the Soviet Union. Hitler believed this would happen in less than three months. Initially, the Nazis were quite successful. They didn't exactly catch the Soviets completely off guard, but the USSR wasn't ready to respond with its full might. Nazi gains initially were significant, and by September 1941, the Nazis were closing in on Moscow, and Hitler was telling the press the end of the Soviet Union was nigh. But... Then it started to snow. The weather got bad and suddenly the German supply lines were hampered and their equipment was less effective. By December 1941, the Soviets were launching counterattacks against the Nazis. And by January 1942, the Soviets officially repelled the Nazis from Moscow, uh, scoring them a loss in the battle for Moscow and forcing the Nazis to reconsider the USSR's quick defeat. Hitler eventually realized that Germany's oil reserves were shot. So he schemed to take the Soviet-controlled oil fields at Baku in Azerbaijan. The Nazis made territorial gains in the offensive, but were not able to capture the oil fields. In the pursuit, the Nazis attempted to take control of Stalingrad, which is now uh, Volgograd, 
an important industrial and transportation center on the Volga River. Right. By November 1942, the Nazis had the Soviet forces with their backs against the Volga riverbanks, threatening to take the city. In response, the Soviet launched Operation Uranus to attack the German flanks. And no, that's not a joke. That's what it was called. <laughs> Operation Uranus, an attack in the flanks. Uh, the Nazi forces were surrounded, but Hitler refused to abandon the city. The Nazis continued the fight until they were forced to surrender in February of 1943. The first surrender of the war for Hitler's forces. Wow. Wow, indeed. What a tale. Uh, the Battle of Stalingrad would prove to be an important one. A change in fortunes for the Nazis who never recovered from that defeat and the overall failure of Operation Barbarossa. And to think, it all turned thanks to Operation Uranus, launched on November 19th, 1942. Yeah. Funny enough, guess whose body was reburied in their tomb with full Islamic ritual in November 1942? You guessed it. It was Timur. Whoa. Timur's body was reburied and the tide of the war turned in the favor of the Soviets. Holy shit. Soviet leader Joseph Stalin had ordered the return of Timur's remains to his tomb a month prior. So in October of 1942. Who did he contact to get that done? Well, they had sent it to Moscow. Oh, they did. For analysis. So he... Whoever was like leading this analysis thing, wow, he said, so he "Get was it that back. in depth with history that he was like, no, put that shit back." He said, "Get it back to Samarkand," and then they won the Battle of Stalingrad. Wow, bloopers! Is it possible that digging up Timur's dead, deceased corpse brought woe and despair on Soviet forces, and that his spirit was at least partially responsible for the death toll resulting from Operation Barbarossa, estimated at tens of millions of people? I saw an estimate upwards of 50 million people died as a result of Operation Barbarossa. Holy shit. Between all of, it was the largest military operation ever in history, and there were huge casualties on both sides. But then you also have to take into consideration that the Nazis were committing genocide. Yep. They were starving the local population. They were raping and murdering women everywhere. Uh, there was a lot of death and destruction related to Operation Barbarossa. Tens of millions of people died. So, and is it possible that respectfully reburying Timur's body helped the USSR push back the Nazis, leading ultimately to the later capture of Berlin and end of the war? All I know is that when I die, I'm donating my body to science. So when you all come to try and dig up my grave so you can piss and shit on my corpse, all you're going to find is the whole enchilada. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Ever heard of stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of stoicism with a lowercase s and not stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold indifference. 
All that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. Welcome back, beefers. That was my research into the curse of Tamerlane, the curse of Timur. Art, I saw you make a face when we talked about the end of the Battle of Stalingrad. Yeah. I think you got pretty shocked by the timing. It's, uh, wow, it's it's a, uh, yeah, you were right. You know, the, the whole, I mean, it's an interesting piece of history, right? Um, that's not an often discussed part of history. You don't really... I think unless you take history in college and you really get into it, you're not really going to ever hear about Timur, even though he's very well known and celebrated in certain areas and then fucking hated in others. This motherfucker killed 5% of the world population, it was estimated. Yeah. Killed a lot of people. And I think that, you know, people like you and me who are Americans, we don't hear a lot about Timur because Timur never really threatened Europe that much. Right. Um, you know, there were some Europeans who were even like, he's awesome because he fucking hates the Ottomans. Right. So they didn't feel threatened by Timur's presence. Whereas, you know, we hear about guys like Attila the Hun and Genghis Khan because Europeans felt really threatened by them. But it almost makes them look even more impressive for how much more they conquered. Yeah. And how much more they controlled. It's it's pretty incredible, honestly. And the thing with... um. Timur is that in like Central Asia, he's very revered in some parts. Right. Um, and you got statues of him and shit. You know, it's it's sort of like three wives. Yeah. He's a he's like a a, a, a one of these um Muslim conquerors who's sort yeah. of like retaking a lot of the the losses, like re or not retaking, but reuniting a lot of the areas that in the initial push of Islam, the you know, conquering of Islam in the area mm-hmm. like that it hadn't been together since then or since, you know, Genghis Khan did it. Right. Um, so it's sort of blending these two things together, uh, which is which is interesting. And he becomes sort of a model for some of the later conquerors in Central Asia 
people who that's someone we should be emulating. He should, we should be emulating him. Um, you know, later like Persian rulers trying to Man. unite the region, they used some of his same tactics and his like. Well, he was a very well regarded mil- military commander. I mean, it was yeah. you know, yeah, that thing with the camels is one of the most fucked up and brutal things I've ever heard. But, but it's, it's a tactic. It's fucking smart. It's a tactic. Um. And that that was too the thing about the Punic Wars with the Romans was like those fucking elephants, the, the Carthaginians. I think it's like they were like inept. They had like no fucking clue how to like use all these different forces there because they had mostly a, a mercenary military. And then you have these fucking war elephants, and they'd be like way in the back. Yeah. And so then it would be like the war elephants would like trample their own troops to get to the front, and then they get scared. Yeah. And run backwards, and the Carthaginians were like, "Ah, oh, fuck! Why are we, why are we fucking losing?" Yeah. <laughs> so they bring in a Spartan mercenary to like fucking be like, "No, you dummies! You put the elephants in the front." Yeah. <laughs> well, like that's the thing is, in in India, right? Timur could have like gotten fucked up. Yeah. When the Sultan brings all of these war elephants, and they're loaded up with armor, elephants. they're they're covered in poison, which is so fucking crazy to me. Like. And they're covered in poison. Who who's getting stabbed by a fucking elephant tusk isn't dying, but it's like, oh no, poison. Like, like it's overkill. Yeah. <laughs> You're already being trampled to death and stabbed by it's an like, elephant oh, tusk. Oh wow, that tusk went perfectly through me and missed all my organs. Oh no, poison. No, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> like, who's the one sucker who's getting poked by the tusk? Didn't like get just grazed by it, but then is getting a poison <laughs> wound. He's like, oh, it cut my arm a little. <laughs> oh shit, my arm's falling off. Oh fuck. Dude, that part of the world is so fucking fascinating because it's like it's such like the cradle of civilization and it's like it's so neat and you just don't know anything about it. Like I don't know anything about any of the stands, you know, all those mm-hmm. stand countries. But there's such a strange, interesting amalgamation of history and people and culture. Like I don't know anything about Kyrgyzstan. I know nothing about it. Takmenajan. What are they called? You don't even know their names. I don't even know the fucking names. You mean Kyrgyzstan? Kyrgyzstan. And Turkmenistan? Turkmenistan. Or Tajikistan? Or Tajikistan or Azerbaijan or any of these fucking... Uzbekistan. Or Uzbekistan. Georgia. Georgia. It's like... Armenia. They're, they're so interesting, these areas. And, and like what was, you know, Persia and Iran. And it sucks that the modern situation is so... Well, I don't know about any of the stands, but... um. Like Iran, you know, you can't really go there. It's tough. As an American, it's tough. Yes. As an American, as any other country, you could kind of... Same thing with Afghanistan. Yeah. There's so much beautiful, like, um, fuck, what's that area in Jordan? Uh, Is it in Jordan? But it's like those... It's one of the wonders of the world. Petrus? Yes. It's like, wouldn't you love to go fucking see that? Is that the name? It's the the city that's in the stone, right? Yeah, I it's know like what you built mean. into the Did fucking I say the name, right? walls. Like you would just love to go, like look at that shit because it's crazy. It's unfathomable how fucking old and like just gnarly it is. All right, I'm looking it up. Petra, yeah, Petra, yeah, the city that's building the side of the mountain. What do you think about the history of that place and those those places? Oh, it's very, you? Inter- very interesting. Well, and you know, you have a lot of a lot of stuff like this where it's like, especially at this time, there's a lot of 
turmoil and changing hands and a lot of conquering and reconquering. Like there's not a, there's not like a stable leader over the area. Right. And you know, the people are all like sort of jumbled up, um, you know, and it's interesting that the, the Ottomans kind of like then come in and take over after a little while. Like this doesn't completely set them back all that much. They eventually like are a big superpower. Um, so it's, I don't know. It's a very interesting region. Like there's a lot of competing different peoples uh, and cultures that sort of all live together and mix together, but then are still distinct. Yeah. And it's very fascinating. And then you have the, of course, the like interplay of religion right. in the area, which is very interesting because the, you know, like a lot of the Indian subcontinent, like Hinduism is big, but the Mughals were a very powerful from the North and they're Islamic. And then you have things like Christianity, like in uh, the the Byzantine Empire and in Russia. And I I read also this wasn't really germane, but like Timur had like kind of a a problem with um, Ismailis, uh, which is a sect of Shia Islam, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. He was uh, Sunni. Uh, n- no, I think he was Shia. Oh, I don't remember, but. He had a problem with Ismailis, so there was like an incident where he attacked some village. Well, Wikipedia and completely says destroyed. He was Sunni. He was Sunni. Okay, he was Sunni. Are Ismailis Shia? I can look it up. But anyway, he he attacked this village, um, because he there was just a bunch of Ismaili people that lived there, and he just killed everybody. And it's like, you know, the historical records. It's like we're not clear. Yeah, Ismaili is a is a subsect of Shia Islam. But it wasn't clear why he attacked this village. And it seems like it was just to kill all the Ismailis that lived there. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, and then he's like kind of responsible for snuffing out this um, branch of Christianity that existed in the area. Wow. So, because he was he was an Islamic ruler. Yeah. So, dude, those ancient religions forgotten to time are so, like, that's so fucking fascinating. Yeah, there's some... Because some... we only got, like, the main ones that yeah. survived over time. But it's like, what did Christianity look like as it formed into what it is today? You I mean, know? it's, it's an interesting... You've only seen remnants of it. Because you can look at, like, Roman Catholicism. Right. Eastern Orthodoxy. Right. And even, like, Russian Orthodoxy. Like, all of this stuff is not exactly the same. No. And then you get into, like, all the Protestant branches. Oh, my God. So this, uh, I don't know, this this branch of Christianity that got snuffed out, it was, like... Um, you know, fairly old and like set in, but then, you know, it survived or Zoroastrianism too. It's like, what yeah. the, where the fuck did that come from? You know? Yeah. And then, you know, uh, then there's even like more modern religions like Baha'i. Yeah. That's like relatively new. Yeah. But it's also coming out of Iran. So much, so much religion coming out of Iran. They love it there. Very sacred place. It is. I mean, it's in Iraq too, and and apparently Iraq is. Um, I don't know how true this is, but um, you know they are trying to do more of like, hey, tourism, come to Iran, or come to Iraq. I mean, it would be awesome to visit Iraq. Would, don't it? you think it would? I mean, it doesn't. Think, it doesn't one hundred percent feel the safest. No, I'm not saying I'm going. But yeah, I'm just saying. Oh, you're not. Think about. Think about. I mean, as much as everybody wants me to, yeah, and to never come back. And to be like captured by ISIS and beheaded. Uh, like just think about all of the archaeological fascinating oh sites God. that are you could tour 
in Iraq. Yeah. And it's crazy to me that after all this turmoil and stuff, some of these places are still standing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, probably not in the greatest condition, but... Um, I, like I'm, going to Damascus, dude. Yeah. Like how sick would it be to go to Damascus? Yeah. It would be awesome. But you can't because it's just, there's too much turmoil and shit. Yeah. Fucking sucks. And, you know, some of these places, Americans aren't exactly welcome. Yeah, we're not exactly welcome. With good well, reason. Especially you. I'm not complaining. I understand why I'm not welcome places. You're banned from Europe and most of these places Europe, as well. Asia, Australia, Africa. Not Antarctica. South America. North America. Don't tell them I'm here. <laughs> Don't tell them I'm here as I broadcast my voice across the internet. <laughs> We're doing it with a VPN. So fucking fascinating and cool. I mean, there's just so much history and culture there. You know, there's just like, I mean, stuff like this. It's just wild, but. Um, it's definitely an area I wish I knew more about. Yeah. Because I think Caucasus, that. Caucasus, is that what they're called? Is that nah, what this region is called? Not all of it. I mean, it's mostly just Eastern, Central Asia. Central Asia. But like that's, I mean, you can just call it, it's like there are. Persia, there's uh like Anatolia, that's like where Turkey is now. Um, there's the Balkans. Um I feel like as as Americans, you get like you get a lot of history on Western Europe. Sure. Like that's I don't know, I think that's like where a lot of Americans have their their lineage from. Right. I mean, it just makes sense. And so we learn a lot about Western Europe. But it's like, you even think about geographically, like if you ask somebody like, hey, where's Turkey on the map? They'd probably be like, uh... I'd be like, sorry, I was eating a sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know, only nerds and geography buffs are going to be able to point out where Azerbaijan's at, you know? Yeah, I'll be honest. even Azerbaijan is a place. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. If you put put a map with no labels on it, like, I think I could do okay. You could probably get Russia. I mean, you have a pretty good high percentage that you could get Russia. And once you get Russia... You could get like Estonia and you could get I the could Ukraine. Definitely, all right. You could get, you know, Romania. A lot of those. There are some gimmies yes. for me. Canada. Yeah. Okay. USA. Sure. Mexico. Russia. Brazil. Chile. Argentina. Um, Portugal. Spain. France. UK. Australia. Ireland. Uh, Norway. Sweden. Finland. Russia. Japan, China, said Russia Mongolia, twice. Russia, three times. Australia, New Zealand, Russia, <laughs> uh, Iran, Iraq, Turkey, Italy, Greece, Greece, North Macedonia. Um, do you know like those are gimmies? I feel like former I, Yugoslavia Egypt, and all the the order of those countries. Andy is shaking his head no like a little kid who got caught in a lie. Like I know I know generally what's in there. Yeah. <laughs> but like would I put him in the right order? Like I could probably like if you asked me which one is Kosovo, I think I could figure it out. Mm. If you asked me which one is Montenegro, maybe. I bet I would get it right. Serbia, Vatican Croatia. City I could get easily. No African countries. Uh yeah, I said Egypt. Oh, you did. Uh I said South Africa, mm-hmm. Djibouti, Angola, uh Madagascar. Um, let's see what else would be easy to put in the right order. South Africa. I said South Africa, Russia. Uh, I would say, or even like Singapore. Like that's a hard one to pick out on a map. Like where is Singapore? You know? And it's like, I know that there's no reference to this. We get a lot of islands. Yeah. I guess I could do Vietnam. 
Yeah, Cambodia, Laos, Laos, Cambodia, India, India, Pakistan, Pakistan uh, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, China, Madagascar, Mongolia, Russia, Russia. <laughs> okay, Nordic countries. You can get a lot, dude. Okay, I guess I could do pretty well. But I think those are Norway, like, Denmark. I think those are easy. Sweden, Greenland. And I think that I could do okay on the rest. Like, I'll admit. Dude, once you start carving it out, you're going to be like, okay. Like, I don't study the map that Finland. much. Yeah. But you could do better than you think, dude. It's like, but you know what's hard, though? is like coming up on a Germany. For, for our patrons, Art and I are going to do this. We're going to print out we're gonna a sporkle. map of the world. We're going to do the sporkle where you just name all the countries, and we're going to give you our yeah. scores. We literally just named countries for like two minutes straight. This is, this is the this greatest is, podcast this ever. This is such a low-value podcast. This is just... And all we're saying, the only reason we're naming them is to say what we think are gimmies on putting their names. Not even doing it, just like just what we think. What we think we could do easily. And, and we're not even getting it right. No. We're just like so we're not, naming countries. We're just naming countries <laughs> that we think we could put on a map. Like if we had a blank map, we could fill in the names. It's demonstrating no skill other than we can name countries. You have no idea. I could be the stupidest fucking idiot about geography. And you would have no idea. I could do a horrible job. <laughs> I could just be naming countries that I know. Oh my god! Chad, Cameroon, we fucking suck. Mozambique, Turks and Caicos, um, Aruba, Jamaica. Ooh, I want to take it. Cuba, <laughs> Russia, so, Florida. You know, I mean, God, it's just wild, dude. Like how brutal this time period was and everything. And somebody, I forget who, but like, I forget what I was listening to, but it's like. Dude, do you ever think about like human history and like basically, I mean, even still today, but basically until like maybe the 1990s, every single generation was raised with some form of severe fucking trauma. They just didn't recognize it back then. Like in this period of time, it would be like, oh, well, I grew up in the so-and-so's burnt down my village and killed all the people I knew and did all these horrible things to me. So now I'm going to grow up and like take back the reign of power and then go fucking just murder. Like, I don't care about human. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, people are still brutal to this day and horrible. I mean, everything, but it's like, you think about like raising children. It's like, at least now we're kind of like, Oh, I mean, dude, it wasn't even like 40 years ago when it was like totally fully acceptable to just smack the living shit out of your kid. Like, at least now we're kind of like, well, you probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> like, isn't that wild? Yeah. Like, it's just a full-on open-hand slap. Totally kind, fine. Just like fucking 40 years ago. That's yeah. nothing. Full open-hand slap across the face, and people would be like, good. <laughs> You're raising them right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's kind of like if you went out to, if you were like in the 1950s, and you went out to yeah. a restaurant with your parents, right? and you did something, and your dad like, smacked you in the back of the head right nobody would go excuse me sir people would be like oh nobody else would yikes nobody else would be like oh god people would be like oh that kid is bad and i'm not even saying that like oh that kid fucked up stupid kid oh bad kid good thing the dad hit him i'm not even saying that that isn't like that it's happening today it's just like at least now today we're kind of like hey maybe don't (laughs) please don't but throughout the entirety of human history kind of makes sense why things were so awful for so long and still are, you know? It's like, it just, it's generation after generation of, like, the horrors. Like, just horror, like, this is a horrible thing. Like, this fucking guy just, like, burnt down your whole city. And 
piling bodies up into a spire and then letting the birds feast on the carcasses. Can you imagine? But do you think that we should really hold to more responsible for this as atrocities? Or should we say he was doing his part for the future by trying to help limit global warming by reducing the world population? Doesn't he deserve mm. a little bit of credit mm. for mm. trying to save us? Mm. Mm. He was a he was a fucking he was a visionary. He was a yeah he was a uh, soothsayer. He was a uh, clairvoyant. He could see into the future. He's There's like, too many people. Guys, don't get me wrong. I need to burn these camels alive and kill five percent of the world population. You'll thank me later. Yeah. You may not realize it yet, but he reduced the world population. He contributed by gathering all of these. I'm in- a good guy all of these artists and artisans yeah. into Samarkand, he he really like did refresh a little bit uh, Muslim uh, culture and learning. One of his grandsons was a famous astronomer. Um, you know. Yeah, but we're not studying him. <laughs> That's right. If only he'd have killed two million people. Fucking lame <laughs> If only his astronomy. Hey, go study the stars, nerd. Hey, I get you. your cool fucking I get badass you appar- grandpa. I got you Operation Uranus right here. <laughs> <laughs> wow so they took out the body and then he the curse is that he came back in the form of Hitler well not exactly it's just the, the thought is that and this is where you can you know obviously skeptics are going to say like Operation Barbarossa they didn't decide to do that in three days right it's not like to Moore's body. Came and there out. are stories of Hitler ignoring like uh advice from his generals or whatever, right? Where he's they're like, hey, we shouldn't go this deep into Russia. It's gonna get winter soon, right? They started too late. Yeah. It starts in June. They were too late. They should have started earlier. Honestly, if they had started earlier, if they had started a month earlier, two months earlier, they probably could have taken Moscow. And then who knows? Wow. So uh, but they had this plan in place. It was like for multiple years, they had been working on this plan. Like this was like two years in the making. Right. Um, and obviously operation Barbarossa was one of they the, got beat at, uh, where did they get beat at? They were stalled on the East, uh, Western front, right? Or they were just good. They were paused. Yeah. They kind of, well, I mean, well, he wanted a front on like three different ends, right? Which right. is a little Fucking crazy. Right. You Go know, figure. They, they're like going south into Africa, mm-hmm. uh, like with Mussolini. Mm-hmm. He's going west and north into Europe. They've yet to conquer um, the UK, obviously. Britain mm-hmm. was still, it's still safe. So then, yeah, they just decide like, let's push into, like they had kind of, they had kind of developed this like border with the Soviet Union. And Spain just kind of like was like, no, whatever. Yeah, Spain was embroiled in civil war during that time. Oh. So like they didn't have to do anything because they were already like fascists trying to take over. Right. Uh, So they, um, yeah, I mean, if you ask me if they would have taken over Britain, like conquered Britain and then done this, probably would have been a different story. But they had to commit a lot of resources to the Eastern Front because... 
They set up a a front it's huge. line. It's a huge area. They didn't. You don't they, think about how fucking big it is. But it's, it's huge. Massive. It's like two twenty nine hundred miles or something. Jesus Christ! And they moved on that entire front. Holy fuck! So it's not like it's not like they went here, 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 and they like are moving forces along it. They had stuff all along the front, and they push all together. How much fucking stuff do you? have? It's crazy. Can you? It was like it? like three million soldiers. I That's think. That's fucking crazy. The Germans committed to this. And, so many people. And it's like 660,000 pieces of armor or something, if I'm remembering right. And so they had to step up the production. But no elephants. No elephants. I mean, that's the scene. they didn't they didn't put any they didn't make any tanks. They didn't put any tank armor on elephants and <laughs> dip their tusks in poison, which was the I mean, what the fuck? Tusks are just asking to be replaced with machine guns. <laughs> Fucking badass oh war God. elephants with machine guns for tusks. I would I would prefer it if it was like Gatling guns. Yeah. Yeah. Because that would look so freaking badass. Dude, do you ever think like, what do you think is the statute of limitations on World War II and World War One when like people, future people will look back on that in the same way we're looking back on. Oh, yeah. Timur. Like you look back on this Tamor guy, and yeah, when you read about this stuff, it's like, whole, you're like, just like, but you can't even fathom the horror, right? Of like this dude just raising cities to the ground, and like, but like that. I mean, World War II was on a similar level. Of I think atrocity. I think we're cresting it, to be honest. Yeah, because the people who lived through World War One are mostly dead, right? And the people who lived through World War Two are close. I think too we have a lot more footage from these eras. So there's it, a lot more primary sources and it's yeah, primary retained, sources. Yeah, it's retained in a way that like if you had pictures of these war elephants with poisons on their tusks and like yeah, fucking body, oh my god, body spires awesome. and like oh that would be gross. Fucking dead bodies that he buried into walls. Like you'd be like holy fucking tits. I, this is insanity. But you know I think the thing is like you know that's like um you know we have. Like, we have photos of Auschwitz. Yeah. We have photos of the prisoners. I was just going to say, like, the, the Holocaust. We have photos of the death and the toll and the war effort and video and the relics and the things, and they exist. So maybe it won't. Maybe you can't have that. Maybe yeah, it's like, impossible. Like, when you think about it now, like, you know, we live in Chicago. There's a Holocaust museum. Yeah. Um, there's places to... Remember the atrocities that were committed during the Holocaust. Right. And war museums. There's, there's things that still exist that commemorate the absolute utter destruction that Germany wrought on other people. Uh, And the horrors, like you said, were photographed. So it's harder to forget them. But I do think that like, at some point we, people like you and me are talking about this as far removed from that trauma as we could be. Yeah. Like, I can't fathom what it would have been like to be a D-Day soldier, Soviet peasant oh. as the German front advances. You know yeah, what I cause, mean? Because the Soviets were still like, imagine, imagine being just like a regular Jewish person right. living in the Soviet Union, a Russian Jew, right, right, and the right. Nazis come to town. Right. And you have no resistance. The Red Army's not here. They just take it over. Yeah. And then you just get killed. Right. Like just slaughtered your entire family, right before your eyes. Yeah, it's kind of like I can't, I can't imagine that. Right, I can imagine it, but I can't like, I can't experience that trauma. Mm-hmm. I hope. 
Jeez. I don't want to, but you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm removed from it because I don't speak from a point. We're removed from it. So I don't know. It's an interesting thought. Bunk Funkers, let us know if that high concept kind of thought makes any (laughs) fucking sense. Like, but what, we don't know what the future holds. Like what if, what if something happens in the future and the earth resets and society forgets and we lose all of that primary sources, like you say, and it just becomes a story. Yeah. Like, I don't know, dude. Maybe that's feel, a fucking different. Maybe that's too wild of a fucking use case where I'm like, shit's going to turn into a fucking Mad Max world. And like, <laughs> people are going to be like, in the olden times when there was gas that flowed like water, give us the gas, Max. I felt, I feel like apocalypse. I feel like we, we have so much information at our disposal now. Yeah. And. It's totally possible that all that information could come to nothing because we could kill ourselves. But then it's like, does it really matter? You know, it only really matters if, uh, you know, some people survive and most people are dead. And those people don't have access to like all of the huge amounts of information that's available on the Internet. Right. The only reason we know anything about tomorrow is because of the Internet. It is kind of interesting to think about, though, right? Because like what if if there's like a nuclear holocaust. Mm-hmm. And ninety five percent of the world's population gets destroyed, and then like idiots like me and you survive. Right, humanity's fucked. Like, who, you know, the radioactive war elephants are taking over, <laughs> as they should. They deserve as it. As they should. <laughs> They've done a lot for us. It's their turn. <laughs> Let's see what they can do. Um, but I don't know. I just don't think that you know. It's like it would be really bizarre circumstances. I think that. We would ever get to a point now where it's like World War Two, because of just how much media there is about it. Yeah. That people talk about this as being some like ancient past. Plus, you know, for what it's worth, Timur didn't really like cause global conflict. Right. There were lots of people who lived their entire lives, lived and died during Timur's lifespan. Never even heard his name. Right. Never even had to hear his name. Didn't even care. Whereas it's like World War II literally like affected just about every person on Earth in some way. Yeah, that's true. I mean, even more than World War One. Yeah, World War One was still a lot of like a European war. That's a very European thing. But World War Two was really, really global. Yeah, like you don't learn much about World War One in a U.S. history class. It gets yeah. skipped over pretty quick because we only were marginally involved. Yeah, we got involved late. You know. We helped fund it, but we got involved pretty late. We didn't really commit troops till late. Yeah. So, and it was not on our shores. Yeah. Even a little bit. Yeah. So, obviously, you know, you get to the fucking World War II, which is the meat and potatoes of any U.S. history class. Uh, That and the Civil War. Those are kind of like your, you do American Revolution, Civil War, then you go World War II. Bam, bam, bam. Oh, geez. Everybody forgets about the War of 1812. <laughs> Not a very the cool war, war. The War of Canadian Aggression. <laughs> the Crown Strikes Back. The Crown Strikes <laughs> American Revolution II. The Crown Strikes the, Back. Uh, how are you feeling about this curse, though, Art? You, you think curses are a thing? Yeah, you know me, Andy. I'm a big curse guy. Yeah, you're very superstitious. I'm superstitious. Writings on my wall. Yeah, you got to stop doing that. I like it. We've I, talked about I run this. out of paper and then I got to write on the wall. 
please use a washable crayon. <laughs> um, how long do you think a curse? Like, like, how long could a curse stay dormant? That's a long time for a curse to stay dormant. This makes for an amazing fucking movie, which stay away from it, Netflix, because you make shit fucking movies. What would be awesome? Find somebody fun to make a movie like this. Is if if they did this thing, but instead of like the real story, it's like, oh, everything's going great. Or there's like this war going on and things are like kind of in a stalemate. Yeah. And they decide to exhume the body of this long dead conqueror. Right. And they exhume the body and the body like comes to life and the corpse oh, leads this army of other of the undead. Undead corpses of Tamur. That's that's a fucking fun movie. Undead like armored Jones, elephants. Indiana Jones style movie with undead elephants. Yeah. Tamur's curse. Yeah. Boom. That's what I'm thinking. That's a fun movie. Fun movie. It's like a Jumanji meets Indiana Jones meets something else. But what's the statute of limitations on a curse art? I don't know what the statue of limitations. He died. He died in the early 1400s, That's and a really long time ago. 500 years later, they're opening up his tomb. I didn't. Nobody ever opened his tomb between that and then. I guess, unlike with Egypt, people were respectful of his remains. That's wild. You would think that somebody at some point in time would be like, "Oh, let's let's check dig out. his uh, dig up his body." I guess not. I don't know. Check That's this probably thing out. important. Who made the call to dig up his tomb? Well, plus two, I think there's, um, you know, this is like a a sacred site in in a way for the local like Islamic population. That's true. So it has it has more of a, you know, it's like when you talk about the pharaohs, like nobody's really religiously connected to that religion right. anymore. When people start raiding it, and right, um, you know, I don't know, maybe there was just a little bit more respect on it because of that. It was more of a holy. Thing like, oh, you don't want to disturb the body. But who made the call to go dig him up again? Who did that? Uh, I think it was Stalin. It's like a government thing. There, you know, they have this program to. So he had control over these areas. Yeah, this was part time. of the USSR, right? But what? So what led him to dig up Tamura then? I think this is just a part of a. As far as I can understand it, it's just like part of, you know. It's sort of like, like you said, like Indiana Jones thing where they're just like digging, like looking through their antiquities and like they have people who are working to like gain knowledge about the areas that the are part of the Soviet Union now. And so we took over all this shit by force. We might as well start digging up the graves and see what's up. Do we think he's actually in there? (laughs) Like, I don't know what the impetus for like, why that time, why the timing of it, but they were okay with it. They said, yeah, sure. Send this expedition. Go wow. excavate the tomb. I don't know, man. I think that, yeah, maybe the statute of limitations on a curse like this is a little overdone. You think this was too old? Maybe it's too old. It's kind of forgotten the history. Yeah. What do, you, do you think this guy belongs in more history topics? You think he should be up there with the other cons? Or is he just not making the con... Conmore. Is he not making your, your Mount Conmore? Mount Conmore. Um, I think that... He just kind of like brutalized a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> his his contributions are mostly, in my mind, like almost secondary. Um, In that it seems like he valued and respected 
like people who were doing creative work or in like intelligent work. He would have liked our podcast. Right. He would he would have been a listener regularly because yeah. he's very creative and very intelligent. He'd have been like, you guys, I'm not gonna slaughter you and behead you. <laughs> keep doing your podcast. Yeah, as long as you keep it up. But don't make a bad podcast. <laughs> but uh I don't know. He like and that's responsible for bringing a lot of different people together and getting this sort of cultural output that they got from the area. But I mean, to me, it's like, it's not, almost, it's not like he set out to do that. That's like a byproduct of just some of the things he was doing. It's not like he was like, I'm going to. Yeah. I mean, he could have been like a traveling noble who like, just was like, Oh, let's all learn together. But no, he's like raiding and conquering and killing. Yeah, he's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. And then so, at the same time, it was like, Ooh, like, so, I mean, I stuff for me, like, I don't have any opinion on whether or not he should be a hero for like people in Uzbekistan. Like, I don't know what, yeah, what it means to Uzbekistanis right. for, for Timur. But for me, I'm sort of like, it's an interesting, he's an interesting character. Like, I think interesting characters deserve our attention, but like, does he deserve to be revered or like studied particularly? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, I think if you're like looking at the history of the area, because he has such an impact on other people in the area. Yeah. It helps to like level set and get the idea about why, why anybody cared about him in the like, you know, few hundred years after he died. Mm. But from a, like from like the big scope of history, like he's probably not that consequential in the big scheme of things. You know what I'm saying? But then who is really? Because you're looking at like people that sort of remake the world in a way or like have this butterfly effect that ripples out and changes the world. From wow. conquerors like Genghis Khan is that way because it was such a big impact. Yeah, it was huge. And it's changed. DNA is in everybody. Right. It changed a lot of things. So it's got a very big butterfly effect. Timur, not I didn't as much. see that part with that Ashton Kutcher movie. It was lost on me. The butterfly effect? Or Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> no, Dude, Where's My Car? Oh, where's my car? Dude, um, dude where's my car? I, I got all my onions in to, it. Uh, we get to verdicts here on the Yeah, let's curves. get to verdicts in it. Uh, you ready to verticize on this? Sure. Go ahead. Okay. Fuck you. Fuck me. I'll go, go first. first. Um, I'm going to say Curse of Tamerlane. Tamerlane. Tamer. Uh, I'm going case closed. I don't fucking believe any of this bullshit. Wow. <laughs> About a curse. Um, you know, it was even said by some of the anthropologists that those inscriptions weren't actually on the tomb. Um, but I don't know that that matters. Wow. If, if people say it's cursed, like it could still be cursed. Um, I don't know. I just don't believe in curses. I'm not a superstitious person. No, you're not. To me, Operation Barbarossa was in the works for a long time. Right. And I think that Hitler was a fucking stupid idiot mm-hmm. um, and couldn't get out of his own way. He's a big dumbass. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ultimately his stupid decision making and like lack of available resources are what doomed the whole thing. Because if they if they had if they if the Nazis had pushed all the way to Moscow and had actually destabilized the USSR, like within that same year that they launched the attack, 
who knows what we could be talking about today, right? Right. Because that could have been very impactful. That could have been very successful. Yeah, that could have just There's been There's no a, guarantee. That could just been like match point. Right. They could have just the allied forces would have to come to terms and surrender. Yeah. But also there's a lot of history in between that and where we are today. Well, and you have to think about it too. This Nazi plan was pretty long-tailed. Right. Because the idea was like let's exterminate the locals mm-hmm. and then we'll replace them with Germans. It's going to take a while to happen. Yeah. And then you've got things like Germans don't grow on trees, they grow on the ground. Right. They're potatoes. They're p- and like you have things like in Poland, there was really fierce resistance. The Nazis didn't plan for that. Yeah, I mean, you can. They always, thought they would you know, sweep through Poland, and Poland would fall like nothing. Right. Well, the Poles continued to be a thorn in their side mm-hmm. the whole time the operation was going on, and even right. until you know they were liberated finally. So it's like uh, I don't think that the Nazis would have been able to necessarily control all of this huge area that they were grasping for. Yeah, like, I think, you know, shows like Man in the High Castle explore the idea of what happens if Germany won the war um, and what that becomes. Like, obviously, there's no, 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 none of these great empires throughout. Like, what I mean by great is expansive, not good. Um, expansive empires throughout history, right? Like, the, the Roman Empire couldn't sustain itself. Ancient Greece couldn't sustain itself. Fucking... Attila couldn't sustain himself. The Mongols couldn't sustain, you know what I'm saying? Like nobody can sustain that much fucking landmass trying to eradicate history of people for that long, right? Like eventually that happens. Every, I mean, look at the USSR. It eventually fell. Yeah. And then all those uh, other countries that sprang up from that who had their own independence. And then lots of, it just happens constantly. It's just how geopolitics change over time, right? Yeah. Countries gain and lose independence and they, you know, change hands and they, things happen. So, but it's sort of like if the Germans had gone through with it and like had actually eliminated the population in every place that didn't embrace fascism and the Nazi, well, I mean, I guess at some point they have to like stick to their ideals. They would have had to just exterminate a lot of people. Right. Um, And it's the same thing is true with the Japanese, right? The Japanese were similarly brutal. You're very brutal. Well, I mean, not quite as brutal. Like, I don't think, I don't know. The Japanese don't seem to me quite as committed to genocide. They like genocide a lot. You might want to ask South Korea. Well, and China. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, I don't know. I guess it's, this is a shitty scale to work off of. It's a very shitty scale. Anyway. Like, I don't know between the Japanese and between the Germans that they could have, like, held control of all of Asia. Because you got to think about it. That's a huge amount of territory. It's, it's amount a territory. huge amount of people. Yeah, you're going to be dealing with uprisings and revolts and revolutions throughout. It's kind of like what we're seeing even today with with maybe not on the same scale or the same geopolitical opinions. But, like, you got Russia and Ukraine. Ukraine. Even today, right? It's Ukraine. like, you know, and, and you have other allied forces. War has changed, too. Yeah. What would it look like in the future if a superpower or the axis of evil or whatever did win and then stayed in place? But then warfare has changed so much um, over the course of time. Would they be able to keep up with that? Would they have kept those resources with different like? 
how do different things play out? What would American history look like? Would America switch sides and go um, work out treaties with those? You know, you wouldn't have had the Cold War. Or maybe you would have. You know, does America still build the fucking, you know, atomic bomb? Like, who gets that first? Probably not. Yeah. It changes the whole fucking course of the world. And it's... Yeah, one little event. It's probably something better left to on history books like the what if essays but uh shout out that book i've never read but um <laughs> sitting at my kitchen table i have yet to read it <laughs> he's asking me to read it you seem like you'd like it you were I thumbing through like it. it it seems like it might be a book i probably like. would like it you can borrow it if you want but don't get your fucking stinky little fingers all over it well i'm gonna be eating cheetos while i read it i mean <laughs> What else am I supposed to do? I need to give my verdict. Yeah, you still didn't give your verdict yet. I'm I think go you're going to go case confirmed. Plausible molecule. Oh, plausible molecule. I think that this curse, I do, I am a curse guy. I'm a superstitious guy. Curses scare me. Superstitions scare me and I follow them. But this one, statute of limitations are way too big. <laughs> way too big. Two, it's one event. Yeah. If there was multiple events where people keep opening up to Moore's tomb and shit, bad shit keeps happening, then I'd say, oh my God, keep this fucking thing closed. But it's just one event. And like you say, it was something that had been planned. There's lots of other factors contributing to why that operation failed or gained traction. Lots of factors to that. And um, I just don't, you know, I don't, uh, yeah, leave the tomb closed. Let's not, we don't need to play around. Let's not, you know, poke the monkey, so to speak. <laughs> Is that the saying? Poke the monkey? Let's not shock the monkey, so to speak. Let's not spank the monkey, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Let's Monk not hunters? poison the elephant tusk, so Let's to speak. Let's not poison the elephant tusk or light the camel on fire, Let's so to speak. Let's not light the camel on fire. <laughs> God, a fucking flaming, screaming camel. That is literally the red demon. Yeah. Shout out. Jimmy Gribben and the, the Red, Red Ghost episode. of Arizona. Red Ghost of Arizona. A literal flaming, mangy, diseased camel. Yeah. Walking through the U.S., uh, the desert in the U.S. But, yeah. Uh, anyway. All right. That's it. Those are the verks. Art's plausible molecule. Where are you, Bunk Funkers? Where are you on the scale with the curse of Tamur? Let us know. You can catch us on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Bunker Pod. Hashtag. Huh? Oh, we didn't do a hashtag. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Oh, God. You let us know what you think. We use the hashtag. Uh, uh, it's got to be some about elephants. Yeah, armored elephant poison. Yeah, poisoned elephant tusks. Poisoned elephant tusks. Yeah. Use the hashtag poisoned elephant tusks. Where did I fucking find it? I don't know, Art. It's behind your computer. Oh, your pants. Over there. What the, how did it get over there? Oh, my God. Timur! <laughs> the curse is Timur, move the pad! He took my legal pad and he moved it from my, oh. my desk in the bunker to Oh, the, God, the we disturbed couch. him by talking about him. What is it? Hashtag poisoned elephant tusks? Hashtag poisoned elephant tusks. Let us know what you think, beefers. Get at us at Twitter and Instagram at Mr. BunkerPod. You can email us, MrBunkerPod at gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, go to YouTube, search for Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. Uh, you can find us in the internet. Just look, Google Just it. Google it. You can get on the subreddit. We're not involved in it, but go there and have fun. Chat with other beefers. Um, 
And if you have the means to do so and you feel so inclined, please consider becoming a patron of this show by going to... Please, we're desperate for money. Please. Please consider becoming a patron of this show by going to patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker Pod. For the low, low price of five bucks a month, you can get access to the Bunker Discord. You can get your very own Bunker Alarm. And you can get dozens and dozens of hours of behind-the-scenes exclusive Patreon-only content available to you. You get the whole back catalog. The whole back catalog. When you sign up, you don't have to worry about just getting new stuff. Um, you'll also get uh, exclusive sneak peeks to things that are coming up. You get access to Twitch streams um, where Art's going to be gaming. Not Twitch, but... Uh, oh, it's a, streaming. It's a, it's a... Game streaming. Yeah, it's it's YouTube. Sorry. It's an unlisted link that uh, you can only get if you're on the Patreon. So consider it. Check it out. Patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker Pod. Um, Art, do you have any last words for the beefers today? Uh, yeah, beefers, if you out there are considering putting poison on your elephant tusks, let me just tell you, it's overkill. It's not necessary. It's not something you need to do. If you have a large elephant, a large armored war elephant, put it at the front lines. You want those monstrous units in the front to break their ranks, reduce their morale and their leadership. Trust me. Can you imagine being an ancient whatever, whoever makes up his his army, right? The makeup of his army. Yeah. And you've never, and then you just see a fucking elephant for the first time. You'd be like, what the? You'd be like, holy fuck. What in the fuck is that thing? You'd be like, holy shit. The if armies I, of Delhi are like, Riding fucking war elephants with you'd be like, what the? F-? You'd be like, what the fuck are we doing? You'd be like looking around. And you'd be like, what are we doing? What is it? This is fucked up. Wouldn't you? I'd be like, no thanks. Yeah, I'd be like, fuck this. I'd be like, I'm fucking out of here. How am I supposed to hit this goddamn thing with an arrow? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah, you have some balls that they got a fucking armored war elephant. You do have to take on. You have to have some balls to take on an armored war elephant. Yeah, that that's is that's what sure. I want to say. That's. In closing. The bottom line. Art's bottom line. Put that on my tomb. You got to have some balls to take on an armored war elephant. <laughs> Art Stone 2022. Um, Beavers, uh, that's our show for today. So for not the titular Mr. Bunker, but for my concerning co-host, Art Stone, I'm Andy Hart saying that was the whole enchilada. Excuse me. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Califato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.